Hello and welcome to Grace Life Stellenbosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. This morning, um, I want to get into the topic of what's really important. What's really important. So Father, I thank you that your presence is here. And I thank you that all of us, we can just focus in on, on your heart for us. We know that you're good. We know that you're love. We know that you're faithful. And so whatever the word brings this, this morning, I thank you that uh, that's what we can experience. We can experience your goodness. We can experience your love. And we can be confident that you're going to be faithful. In the name of Jesus. We just welcome your spirit. And Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're, you're ministering to all of our hearts this morning. You're meeting each one of us where we're at. And we just invite you just to, to do what you want to do in this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as usual, I have uh, more message than I have time. Uh, uh, um, and so I'm trusting that I will say what I need to say and not say what uh, uh, is maybe unnecessary. Although I don't think any of it's unnecessary. But think about the, the question of what's really important for a moment. Okay, what's really important to you as an individual in your life, in your relationships? What's more, most important to you in your faith? What's most important to you about church? Okay, what's most import important to you about things like that? We're obviously focusing in on the Christian faith and we're focusing in on um, church and, and all of those kind of things. And so I'll even ask the question of like, what's essential, what's non-essential? You know, in leadership, we talk about it as in there are open-handed issues and there's closed-handed issues. Okay. And um, you, know, you, you can do an inventory of your heart and your life now and think about it for yourself in terms of what is actually essential for me and what's non-essential. In, in terms of uh, what's important to me about a church. You know, when I first moved to uh, the Cape from, from Natal, I moved in 2015, and I remember looking for a church. So now I, I've got my list of what I'm looking for in a church. I had a, a proper list. I'd written it out with verses. <laughs> and it was uh, every line on that A4 uh, um, um, notepad had something written. I think there was 20-something uh, points that I was looking for in a church. So I didn't really have much grace in the beginning of looking for a church, um, and I went to everything. I was staying in Durbanville, and I went from everything uh, in the southern suburbs all the way up to Stellenbosch and around, uh, you know, looking for, let me find something that kind of fits my requirements. Um, I ended up at a Baptist church just because I knew people there, and I was like, I don't know where else to go, actually, because I can't find someone, a church that's perfect. <laughs> you know, I can't find the perfect church. And, I mean, you may have heard the, the saying, go, if you want the perfect church, you've got to kind of um, wait until you die. I heard one pastor say it like this, um, if you want a perfect church, you know, you've got to kill yourself. Um, <laughs> that's a bit rough, but the point is, is that uh, there's no perfect church until you join it, and then it's not perfect anymore. And, because um, <laughs> you're making it imperfect, that's the point, <laughs> in case you're still waking up. But, um, you know, I remember looking through it and eventually like saying, okay, well, what is essential for me and what's non-essential? Like, what are the most important things? Because, 
you know, I'm really big on worship, so uh, I won't worship like this. And then I had to kind of, re- I went, the, the church I eventually joined, I was like, I really don't enjoy the worship, but that's not the most important thing. So let me focus in on the word and being able to serve and, and be part of the community. You know, that's kind of what I settled for at the end of the day. Um, culturally speaking, the, the way that the church did things and the way that the church did worship wasn't my cup of tea. But I was kind of put that aside and um, because it was, there was more important things to focus on. Um, so we have to kind of look at what are the essentials and what are the non-essentials. You know, what are closed-handed issues and what are open-handed issues. And it will probably differ from um, like church group to church group or from denomination to denomination or whatever the case is because you know, there's so many groups out there it's difficult to kind of some people hold in high regard and what's most important things that we would go like that's ridiculous like why are you even focused in on that um, you know let's take the extreme example <clears throat> you go to um, uh, on one of our trips to Albania they took us it's, it's very um, there's, a, there's more uh, Orthodox Christians than there are um, uh, Evangelical Christians. And when I say Evangelical, I mean people that believe in being born again. People that, be- that believe that it's by grace through faith that you're saved. So that's us. <clears throat> okay, we're Evangelicals. Um, these are people who are culturally Christian. Um, they might believe, some of them might believe in Jesus for salvation, but majority of them believe in um, <clears throat> being born into the, the, the Christian faith. And not born again into it. And a lot of them even believe in um, <clears throat> good works to make yourself right. So we, they took us to this one like area which has got a, an orthodox stronghold. And it's on a hill. And it was quite a long walk to get up on the hill to where they had this like monastery almost. And you go into the cathedral and you go into the little chapel over there. And you can light your candles and you can do this and you can do that. And there's statues and you can pray to the statues. And we'd look at all of that and we'd go, you know, okay, there's a lot of non-essentials there. And these people who are claiming to be Christian are uh, engaged in a lot of non-essentials. Okay. And so, you know, I, I remember when, when I was last year in um, Albania, I had to have some dental work done on, on, while we were on the trip. And uh, we were ministering to the dentist. I wasn't ministering to the dentist because she had her hands in my mouth. Um, But I had uh, Claudia. Many of you know Claudia. So Claudia was my translator to make sure that I didn't get any amputations. And um, so she's busy ministering to the the, the dentist. And in between, I'm like, as soon as the hands come out of my mouth, I'm like, tell her this. Tell her about that. You know, so that I'm kind of guiding the conversation. And she was... Um, she grew up Catholic. She grew up in um, uh, Italy. And so we were ministering to her. And when she found out that we don't have statues in the church, that we don't kiss statues, that we don't pray to statues, and we don't light candles, she was like, I've never heard of this. You know, and so that was a big deal for her. And so <clears throat> anyway, I think like the question comes up for me with this because you can you can talk about stuff like that, but then we can get into other things and it's kind of difficult to know who's right and who's wrong unless you go to the word. And then it's not even just what's in the word, but it's how do you approach the word? How do you read the word? So we'll talk a little bit about stuff like that. But, you know, truth is truth. So someone has to be closer to the truth than someone else. Right. And we all closer like everyone in the world would say i'm the closest to the truth you know but uh, perish the thought that we might be wrong and um that's kind of what i'm wanting to talk a little bit about but you know we need to be confident in what we believe 
Amen? No one likes someone who's not confident in what they believe. It's like, this is kind of what I believe. I remember going to a message in the Baptist church I was in, and they were teaching on healing. So I was like really interested now. What's the... Because I was charismatic, really. But I, I went there because I had a friend and I could connect with the, the people in the church and I was enjoying it. Um, but I didn't go for the word. And um, I remember the, the, the one pastor was going to do a teaching on healing. So I was very interested. What's this guy going to be teaching? And uh, this is what he taught. Okay. Now, there's many things I can say about him. I'm going to have to refrain. But he was teaching <laughs> about how um, this is what some people believe about healing. This is what other people believe about healing. And this is what alternative medicine is. And I sat there and I was like, okay, but what do you believe the word says about this? And like there was, there was no clear conviction on anything. It was just kind of like a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And don't want to offend anybody. So let me just say what all sorts of different people believe. Even alternative medicine. It's not in the Bible, but let's teach that as well. And I was kind of like, that's confusing. Um, so we want to be confident in what we believe but at the same time humble or what you could say teachable right we don't want to be arrogant about what we believe we want to be teachable and over the years this is what i find with myself is the more i've gotten into grace and the more i've been established in grace the more i actually can listen to other people so before that i was more self-righteous or judgmental in a sense of i wouldn't hear someone out about what they believe I would be more like, a, this is the truth, shut up. You know, no one hears like that, obviously. But, but I became more and more like that in the sense of I'm not willing to hear out why they believe what they believe. And I mean, if you're not willing to do that, you're going to break relationship and not be able to minister to someone. Not be able to have relationship with someone. Um, and truth is truth. And I, I, I'm not scared to tell people, you know, what I believe the truth is, but... As I, I remember um, when we were in New York, a friend of mine um, uh, who I was in Bible college with, um, well, I wasn't in Bible college, I was first year and he was working um, in the answers department. So he had finished Bible school and he was, um, uh, many of you will know Barry, uh, what's his, Bennett. Um, he was Barry's second, second in command, or Barry's right hand man in answering questions in the answers department. So this guy knew doctrine. This guy knew the word, okay, and um, I was sitting with him, and I love the guy, but sitting with him now uh, uh, in his home in New York, because he had moved to New York since, and I was like, so now explain to me how you came to be a universalist, because I want to understand, if I'm missing out on something, I want to know it, that's the attitude I went with, and I was like, I haven't studied this out properly, maybe as much as you have, but now try and convince me. And every verse he brought up and every argument he brought up, I had my shotgun and I could blow holes in it. <laughs> you know, I was like, there was nothing that could hold water that he said. And I was like, well, how do you get there? That's very creative. You know, you can't be creative with scripture. You can be creative in the way you present it, but you can't be creative with, with the interpretation. And so anyway, I, I heard him out and I'm... Um, uh, Satisfied enough to say, like, I've heard the arguments and it's wrong. Like, I, 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 not, everyone's not going to heaven just because Jesus died for the whole world. You have to put faith in His grace to be able to uh, cash in on the free gift. That, and that's not what they believe. Anyway, faith is based on knowledge. So, 
And you can't go where you don't know. People perish for lack of knowledge, what we don't know or don't uh, do. I'm sorry, what we know or what we don't know is a large contributor to how our life is going. So knowledge is important. What we know is important. So we need to continually be seeking truth, continually be growing in truth, be willing to be wrong and be willing to be challenged on why do you believe what you believe so that not so that, um, uh, uh, you know, some people like to argue for the sake of arguing. We're not talking about that. What are we talking about? We're talking about investigating so we can come to the bottom of the matter. What is the truth? Okay. Who is the truth? You could say. So a little bit. Some more of my story before we get into some word here. But I mean, I grew up charismatic. You know, when I was in uh, primary school, I'd go to Baptist Sunday school in the morning and a charismatic church in the night. The Baptist church, they would be telling us uh, why tongues is wrong. In the, the evening service, we'd have people singing from the chandeliers. And uh, <laughs> I remember in one of the evening services, I was hiding under my chair because um, someone was uh, manifesting like a baboon. And uh, the elders were trying to hold them down. <laughs> and then, you know, like we'd experience the presence of God. And in worship, we heard angels singing. And there was all sorts of like things going on. And uh, it was amazing. It was glorious. And then in the mornings, I'd be in Baptist Sunday school. And um, then, and, you know, they didn't believe in any of that. Um, but I was genuinely saved, probably around the age of four or five. And as I, I, I kind of think about that experience... You think about your experience if you're saved. Um, how did you get saved? Now, I, I thought about it and I was like, how did I get saved? And it's obvious. Heart, belief, mouth, confession, if you know the word. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. I, 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 I believed in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead to make me right with God. And I confessed him as Lord. He is who he says he is. And now I'm saved. And I remember from a young age, I had a revelation of, 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 of relationship with him. So I was enjoying relationship with him. But uh, there was a lot of stuff that I believed that wasn't right. How many of you can say that about your journey so far? You know, there was a lot of things that I believed in the beginning that now I laugh about. Um, now, we met someone recently and um, just engaging with them. They are exactly where I used to be. In their, in their thinking about the Christian faith and stuff, and I'm not going to say what they believe, in case it's describing you, but they were, they, they, I can talk their language, so I can connect with them. And when they say things that really don't make sense to me anymore, I don't just, you know, shoot holes in what they're saying, because I'm building relationship. They're going to heaven, and so it's not important for me to kind of like, uh, um, just go in with a hammer and kind of like, you know, plow through their, their, their belief system. Because there isn't an openness to receive that. I remember in one situation with this individual, um, they said something about a verse, and I can't remember the verse. Do you remember it? They mentioned a verse, and they said this and that, the next thing about it. And I was like, that's butchering Scripture big time. So I said, you know what's interesting about that verse? You're, here, I came in with a grace, a grace verse. I said, the way I, 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 I used to see it like that, but now I see it like this. And then I explained this new perspective, whatever the verse was. And they were like... I never thought of that. That's, that's a, quite a, a good interpretation of it. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's blessed me. And so like, you know, through relationship, I can take them step by step closer towards like being free from a lot of the stuff that they're entangled in. And I know that doesn't make sense to anyone because you don't know what I'm talking about. But 
the, the, the story is good. So anyway, there's a lot of things that I believed while I was growing up in Christ, and I even practiced those things that um, I don't believe or practice today. And the question is, why? Why? And now I'm generalizing everything, and you could be trying to assume it's this or it's that or it's that. You probably won't guess a lot of the things, so don't try and guess because that's not the point of the, the story. I'm leaving out details because I don't want you to get stuck on, I can't believe he doesn't believe in kissing statues. Yeah, or whatever you're, you like doing. So anyway, so one of the things that I realized was that I'm in Christ, so I'm a new creation. Whereas before I thought, hey, I'm, I'm in Christ, I'm a new creation, but I've still got to deal with all these things from my grandfather's past. I'm letting one cat out the bag there for you. But the, the, the point is, is I came to realize like the, the, there's a lot of validity in all of this stuff and, and I've studied it out and I've practiced it for years, but actually it's all because I didn't know this one truth. And I wasn't living in this truth of I'm a new creation. I was like, I'm a new creation, but I've got to deal with a whole bunch of things that I didn't have any part in. But now I've got a new bloodline. Okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, just smile. So... You know, I realized I'm a new creation. I realized that I, I live in Christ by grace through faith. I realized that Christianity is more about my heart than my actions. And that's one that a lot of you might need to kind of walk away with today. Christianity is more about your heart than it is your actions. Actions are important. It'll lead to actions. But what, what's going on in your heart is more important than how are you doing rituals and things. You know, in New York, the one church that we were partnered with and we uh, attended one service, um, it was a Lutheran church. And I had a, I had a great relationship with the, the, I don't know if they call him pastor, but the pastor. And um, we went to one of the services and, you know, there, there's like three people in the church, beautiful big building. That's how Christianity is pumping in the area. And, um, you know, there's, there's this, this big shrine thing with the cross and all this. And after all the kind of things that they would say, they turn and they'll do the, the Catholic thing. But it's not just a Catholic thing. And afterwards, I asked, I was like, why do you do that? I thought it was Catholic. They said, no, it's to remind us of our identity in Christ. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I haven't heard that before. They're identifying with Christ. And I was like, I, I like that, but you don't need to do that. To identify with Christ. We do things to identify with Christ and to remind ourselves that we don't need to do. The reality is, is that we, 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 we've all got little things that we might still be holding on to. Okay? <clears throat> so, remember the topic is what's really important. What's really important. So, you know, I realized that it's about my heart. I used to fast to try and please God, to try and become holy to try and be set free from sin and things like that, you know, in order to try and get closer to God. So I was doing something which you might do for the right reasons, but I was doing it for the wrong reason. I was trying to, to accomplish something that had already been accomplished. So why did I stop fasting to try and get closer to God? Because I realized I can't get any closer than I am. I just need to change my thinking. I need to start to believe the truth. I used to tithe so that God would bless me. And I was, if there was a strictest uh, way that you could believe and practice giving and tithing and all that, it was me. I remember someone um, in 2002 trying to convince me that uh, you, you don't need to tithe. 
And I ran circles around them with the word that they just couldn't say anything. Why? Because I believed it belonged to God, so I must give it to God. And I'm not going to be blessed on my tithes. I'm going to be blessed on anything extra I give because the tithe doesn't belong to me. Some of you are going, Amen. <laughs> we'll send the buckets for you just now. <laughs> like, if that's what you believe, practice it, go for it. We'll benefit from it. It's fine. But you're not going to benefit from it. Why? Because you've got a legalistic mindset and approach to God with that. It's not about your heart. It's about your action. Okay, so, you know, I used to refrain from sin, from sexual immorality and things like that because I wanted to please God and I wanted to make sure He accepted me and I wanted to make sure He would bless me. Okay, what's that? It's fear. It's not love. It's fear. And it's always the right time to do the right thing, but a lot of my life was lived out of fear, not out of love. Okay, some of these things are good, that I was doing, but I was doing them all with the wrong heart, the wrong motivation. You know, so living holy is vital. Amen. <clears throat> wow. <laughs> I'll try that again. Living holy is vital. It's important. Amen. 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 Okay. You'll hopefully believe that uh, by some, at some point. But the thing we need to remember is God's more interested in our hearts than he is our action. Okay. So first Samuel chapter 16, verse seven. It says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't consider this young boy David, his appearance, or his height. Uh, sorry, don't consider, he's talking about Saul first. Uh, his, uh, his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at things uh, uh, pe the way people do. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Then, obviously, he gets into reference to David as well. The point being... Is God's not looking at the outward appearance. He's not looking at uh, um, uh, David's uh, older brothers and going, wow, these guys are more strong and more kingly. I'm going to choose them. He's looking at the heart of David compared to his brothers. Okay? So if God was looking at your heart, not just what you did, and he was evaluating it, how, how would you be doing? Because it's not about what you're doing. It's not about the fact that you're sitting here this morning. Although that's good and it's important, but it's about are you actually in your heart listening? Are you in your heart receiving the word? Are you in your heart, what are you doing with this? Or are you just ticking a box, I went to church? You know, when you're studying the word, when you're doing a devotional, are you doing it because it's religious practice? Or are you doing it because in your heart you're connecting to Christ? Singing songs, worship. Are you doing it because that's what we do? Are you actually in the sing-song? Are you connecting your heart to God's heart and enjoying a, a time of communion, fellowship with Him? Because a lot of people just sing song and then they're irritated with the song choice or they're irritated with the sound or they're irritated with this, but their hearts are far from God even though they're going for it and worshipping. I remember um, I was uh, in 2002, I was in the year of your life, uh, a program in Pretoria with a church, and I remember um, <clears throat> we, when, when everyone went on missions, half the team, the, there were 60 of us, 30 went on mission and 30 stayed. And when, the, the, um, when the, the, I was part of the second group that stayed, um, and um, nobody had a musical, I didn't play guitar at that stage, um, but nobody else could play guitar and sing. There was only a, one guy who could play the guitar and not sing. You know what I mean? Okay, so he got the job of doing worship for the whole two weeks, three weeks actually, 
And I remember the first time, some of you know Angelo. He was with me there, that's where we met. And we're standing in worship there. And this guy's sitting there, getting ready to go. And it's the worst sound you've ever heard. Um, he's singing, was waking the dead. You know, it was bad. It was really bad. And we were crying with laughter. In, 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 sitting in the, uh, or standing at the back. We were cr literally crying, pinching ourselves trying not to look at each other, trying not to look at him, but the sound is everywhere. And it's just like difficult to worship because this is like a, a sin. You know, the, the sound that's coming out and, and, you know, and there was a point then when like the tears were streaming down my face and we, all of us are crying with laughter. And I looked over <clears throat> at the guy leading worship who um, was discipling me and I saw his eyes closed I saw him strumming his guitar and singing with tears streaming down his face, worshipping God, and I was convicted. I was like, I've missed it completely. And we all, one by one, realized it. We looked away and we started worshipping. And the rest of that week was awesome. Because we got our hearts in the right place. And I'm not saying put someone up who can't sing. Man looks at the outward appearance, Amen. <laughs> now, I'm not saying just wear whatever you want. Man looks at the outward appearance. The way we dress, the way we, we act and whatever, it's received or it's not received by people, which is our ministry and our relationships. So it's important. But remember what God's looking at and make sure that that's your primary. So the outward appearance is important, but it's not the most important thing. Matthew 23. I can see we're going to get very far in my notes. Matthew 23. 27 to 28, this is the Amplified Classic. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, hypocrites, for you are like tombs that have been whitewashed, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones, and everything is impure, and everything impure. Just so, you also outwardly seem to people to be just and upright, but inside you are full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> it's like you've got all the right actions, you're doing all the right things, you look good, you're tithing uh, uh, on, on different things. I don't know if that's in this verse, but in one of the verses around you, it's even saying you know, you're tithing and you're doing this and you're doing that. But inside, it's just corruption. Inside, it's just death. Inside, it's the wrong, wrong motivation, the wrong heart. Okay, We must be careful we're not like that. God's not going to reject you, but, you know, it's, it's, it's people, when they see the hypocrisy, might reject God, but also it's not going to do you any good to have the appearance, to have the actions, to let everybody think it's fine, and then it's not actually fine. It, it, how, does that, how does that bless you? It doesn't bless anyone. <clears throat> As a charismatic, extreme charismatic, Back in the day, I would often, I, I would refer to myself more now as a charismatic with a seatbelt. Okay? But as a charismatic, I would often laugh at Catholics or people with those kind of religious practices, with all their rituals. And then I realized that as a charismatic, I'm holding to a lot of rituals myself and a lot of superstition. You go and think about some of the things that we often believe in our circles, and it's nothing but superstition. It's not based on truth. It's based on hearsay. It's based on someone's testimony. It's based on this is what I've always believed. 
but it's not based on the truth of the word. How many people come to me and they'll say something about this testimony they heard and this and that, the next thing, and I'm like, yeah, testimonies are dangerous. If your testimony doesn't line up with the word of God, it's wrong. I had a vision once. I've had a couple of visions in my life, and I remember experiencing this in 2002 when I was in Year of Your Life. I had a vision. It was, I was lying on my bed, and I had this picture, and in this picture, I'm going through this house, and this angel's leading me, and the angel's saying this and that to me, and whatever. And I went to the pastor, and I told him my vision, and I told him everything that, that, that I, the angel was telling me and whatever, because it wasn't in harmony with the Word. And I was like, and it was giving me an instruction, and I was like, Am I supposed to do this even though it's not in harmony with the word? And he was like, no, reject the vision. Thankfully, he said that. We go with the word. We don't go with what you experience. That experience could have been a false experience. Yet even the enemy, the devil, masquerades himself as an angel of lies. So the only sure thing that we have is actually the word. And this is a, a very um, uh, um, loaded statement that I'm making right now. Because what you see isn't the Word. Let's hopefully get there. Amen? So, there's many things that we can say about that. But what I realized with my Christian life, you know, you might not have been crazy charismatic like me. But, like, even for a lot of us, we would kind of look at NGK people. Many of you come from NGK. You know, uh, uh, most of Grace Lifers seem to come from NGK. But a lot of NGK people, Dutch Reformed, you know, like, we would kind of like have this, this thing of them that they're incomplete because they sprinkle. But in the charismatic tradition, we dunk. And you know what I find? It's like on the mission field, it doesn't matter. Now you might want to throw a hissy fit, but just relax because what I realize is we connected to different missionaries in Montenegro and in Macedonia and in other parts of the world and they're doing amazing work and they're not dunking or sprinkling. They're preaching the gospel. And they, 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 they are where you and I are not. Reaching unreached people. They've laid down their lives for the sake of the gospel. And yet they're not doing a lot of the things that we do. Or that we hold near and dear. And what I realized with a lot of the things that I was wrapped up in. You know what I was trying to do with a lot of these things? You, know, you need to go for deliverance, you need to do this, you need to do that. It was because I didn't think I was complete. And yet, second, or what's it, Colossians chapter 2 verse 10, New King James says you're complete in Him. The, the New Living Translation says you're also complete through your union with Christ. So what we undermine and undervalue as Christians is actually what happened to us when we got saved. Because when you got saved, you became one with Jesus and now you're complete. And then you know what we do? We try and do all of these other things to try and be complete. It might be good things with all the wrong motivation. And so, you know, it's a, it's a case of, like, I, um, I don't feel complete because I'm not in the Word. I don't see the word, what the Word says about me. So now I know what God is like to a degree, but now I need to try and become like Him. So let me start doing all of these things to try and complete myself. Sounds a bit like the flesh, doesn't it? Sounds a bit more like works, doesn't it? Okay? So what made you complete? Your union with Him. So I mean, even that, we can stop and say, okay, what is essential and what is non-essential? What is really important and what's not really important? 
You know, grace really set me free from legalism. The message of grace impacted me hugely. You know, some of you wouldn't uh, recognize me if you met me 16 years ago. So, you know, but, but, but I mean, with that, I, w- I would get angry with my brother wanting to play secular music on the radio on the way home from church. And now we'll listen to secular music sometimes on the way to church. <laughs> yeah. I don't think God has an awful down. I don't think God uh, uh, has a problem with it. Obviously, there's good secular and there's bad secular. But um, you get what I mean. Over the past 14 years... This revelation has just kept growing. And for me, it's been a thing of letting go of fluff. Letting go of what I think is important and holding on to what is most important. And um, some of the stuff I loved and I enjoyed. But you know what it's resulted in? Is laser focus. It's resulted in, you know what, what, what will focus do for you at work? It's going to bring you more fruitfulness, more productivity. In my Christian life, as I've gotten rid of fluff and I focused in on the main thing, the reality of Christianity, what's happened for me is more fruitfulness. And you might be going, what fruitfulness? That's another topic. My Christian life, I realize, has looked a lot like the book of Acts. Now you're thinking signs, wonders, and miracles. Let me explain. I don't mean that only, although that I've had some of that. But Acts is an historical eyewitness account of the early church. And this understanding of Acts has changed my life and the way I read the Word. Okay? The church, I remember in 2000 or so, the church group that I was part of then, and I was full-time there, had um, the big boy come to town. The, the guy who started, now I'm, I'm not the big boy here, but you know what I mean. I'm, I'm realizing I'm implicating myself in that. The guy who started the ministry, he came. Um, some of you might know him, Tony Fitzgerald. And I love the man and I enjoyed his ministry very much. And the one thing that he said stuck with me from then, from 2000, and it was the early church wasn't perfect. And I was like, how can you say that? You know, and it stuck with me through any Bible school and, and all the different Bible schools I've been to. Everyone said the same thing. Everyone said the same thing. But most Christians don't believe that. Most Christians don't think about that when we're reading the Bible. We read the book of Acts and we think it's all perfect. It wasn't. Okay? So the early church wasn't perfect. It was coming out of Judaism. So the book of Acts is their coming out story. Okay? They're coming out of of Judaism and it shows us a journey of what the early church, how they dealt with these things. I love, um, I think it's the Bible miniseries when, when they get into A.D., and they start talking about um, um, the early church. I think it's AD. They, they have this one scene that I really love there. Um, and obviously there's poetic license and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but what I loved in that, that it was after Pentecost. And um, um, Paul comes and joins the believers now for the first time. And uh, in Jerusalem. And the, the, they've got this scene where the believers, Peter and everybody, are getting ready to go to the temple to pray. And Paul's like, why? <laughs> They're going to the Jewish temple to pray, and Paul's like, why? They're like, because this is what we've always done. And he's like, don't you know that you are now the temple of the Holy Ghost? That the, the Spirit of God lives in you? I mean, imagine that. They had to stop doing something. 
And if you read the rest of Acts, they stopped going to the temple. They, had to, they went to the temple to reach people. But they didn't go to worship. They didn't go to pray. Why? Because they're not Jewish anymore. That's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> so what, I, what, I, what I've seen with, with the book of Acts is that as you go through the book of Acts, it's really progressive in that you start to see how they, 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 they let go of things and they embrace certain things. And it really, I was very excited when I saw this, but I've always said it, it, it kind of, one of the major points is Acts 15, where the church leaders get together and they have a council and they're speaking about should we circumcise or shouldn't we circumcise? Can you imagine us having a meeting like that today? <laughs> in order for you to be a true Christian, should we enforce circumcision? I'm surprised no one answered, but <laughs> maybe you want us to. I don't know. But the Bible, they show us in Acts 15 that we don't have to do that. They were doing it up until that point, but now they don't have to do it. So they were uh, um, renewing their minds to the truth of the gospel, and now they were stopping to be Jews. Okay? Now, in AD 48, in AD 48, Paul wrote the book of Galatians. And I did a quick search because I was like, oh, I wonder where the book of Galatians fits in to Acts. I'd never thought of that before. I was like, I wonder where it fits in. It fits in just before Acts 15. In Acts 13 and 14, that's when he would have written the book of Galatians. And so before that council, he was already going, guys, people are trying to get you circumcised in order to be a true Christian, but that's not necessary. <laughs> He's already saying, hey, people are trying to enforce that you operate uh, by observing certain feasts and certain rituals. And he's like, it's not necessary. All that's necessary is faith in what Jesus has done. That's what that, he concludes that. You go look at, um, look at it with me quickly. I don't have it on the screen. But Galatians chapter 3. And he says, oh foolish Galatians, verse 1. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Who... Uh, before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received you the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And the obvious answer is the hearing of faith. So he's, he's pulling them back into the, the idea of, you know, you're not saved by what you do. You're saved by faith in Christ. And he's, uh, he's dealing with specific things. Rituals. He's dealing with feasts. He's dealing with circumcision. And uh, a lot of the church is still holding on to some of that fluff. We've got trinkets and spells and incantations to try and please God, to try and connect with God. Now, I used to do things like, like in worship, I had my certain kind of like procedure. This is what I start with. This is how I do it. And then I kind of like say a few this and that. And it's like, where's the relationship in that? Where's the relationship in going through a formula to try and experience God and relate to him? You know, and, and often what we're doing is we're just focused in on things that don't matter. You know, I, I really used to believe, you know, there's that one song, more love, more power, more of you in my life. Words aren't that great, but the, the, the key that it was in, <laughs> you know, the, the sound of the song, I would feel the anointing straight away. It was all just emotionalism, you know. You know, one of the things that I used to do, some of you will laugh at this. I hope all of you will laugh at this. <laughs> you're not laughing, you probably want to do it. Um, one of the things that I would do is I would come to church with my shofar. And I was that guy. 
who at the specific moment in the service, I would get my kudu horn and I would release the anointing in the service because it was held up until that point in time. And I honestly believe that when I was blowing the shofar in worship, and I would always ask whichever church I was in the pastor for permission first, so I wasn't rebellious, but I would ask the pastor and they would say yes, I don't know what they would say, but I would get the green light and I'd go for it because now I believe that there's this holy moment where because I am blowing into the shofar, there's no self-righteousness involved here, because I am blowing the shofar in the service at a specific time, the anointing is being released and people's strongholds are being broken. Hallelujah. You know, what breaks a stronghold? Truth. That stronghold, I've got the, the, the shofar on our piano, I think it's there still. But I, I have it because it's a relic of my past. <laughs> it goes next to my, my prayer shawl. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> my prayer shawl comes from Israel. See, I'm more holy than you. point that I'm trying to make out is that I had all my trinkets and gadgets and gizmos and spells and incantations and whatever. And you know what? I was a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. Because inside I wasn't doing well. But in the service, you know, I, didn't, I, I still don't really like attention, but I was attracting a lot of attention by going, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of attention that comes there. And, uh, you know, it was horrible. But anyway, I have direct access to the Father the moment I become a Christian. And I was doing all of these, these things to try and get closer to God. What are you doing to try and get closer to God when you're already close to Him? It's talking about motivation, right? 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 from God's Word translation says this, The person who unites himself with the Lord becomes one spirit with Him. So, when I say yes to the Gospel, I become one with Him, which means I can't get closer to Him than I already am. And so, all of these things that I try and do, you know, I honestly thought that my freedom, this, I didn't have a lot of understanding of truth. And that's why I engaged in a lot of these things. But I honestly thought that I would be free from sin and, and um, uh, uh, that my life would be completely different if I got baptized in water. So I got baptized in water and it changed nothing. So then I obviously thought maybe I did it wrong. So then years later, I did it again. And nothing happened. Nothing changed. Years later, you know what really changed me? Was understanding that when I came to Christ and was baptized into Christ, I was baptized into His death and that sin was no longer or have a, had a hold on me and I had a revelation of my identity in Christ and it changed everything. Then I didn't need water because I had the, the water of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the Old Testament talks about water as in a picture of the Holy Spirit. Now all of a sudden I was like, I'm free because I said yes to Jesus. I'm not experiencing freedom because I don't know that. And so that's why the teaching of the Word is so important. So overall, you know, my Christian life was about majoring on minors and minoring on majors. I'd condemn and judge others for not being, doing this and not doing that, for not raising their hands in worship and not whatever. And all the while I was ignoring my own heart which was full of pride and self-righteousness and, you know, all of that. So, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. 
And I want to try and land a third through my message <laughs> by saying, you know, first of all, let's ask the question, what is God prioritizing? What is God prioritizing? Because our priorities should be linked to His priorities. Um, and so if we look at it in, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You put that together with what Jesus said, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So that's showing God's priority. Seek and save the lost. He wants all saved and all to come to a knowledge of the truth. So let me just get back to what I started off with. Although, like some people are engaged in maybe some rituals and things like that, like the Catholics, extreme example, or the Orthodox Church, we, we, don't, we don't need to condemn them for it, but they need to come to a knowledge of the truth so that they're not wrapped up in that anymore. Okay? But I need to keep the main thing the main thing, and that is that, first of all, everyone needs to be saved. You know, I um, was uh, contacted, I don't know if I shared this last time I was here, but someone reached out to me. And always people reaching out to me, like from around the world. And I usually, to be honest, mostly used to ignore them. <laughs> uh, because I'm, this is the people that I'm focused on. I'm not focused in on people in different parts of the world unless God connects me with them. And, um, you know, because uh, I, I, I responded to um, someone uh, reaching out to me on Instagram uh, from the States and seeing the success of that because that guy was Priyank, I realized, um, okay, maybe I must pay a little bit more attention to people reaching out to me. And, and so, you know, I was reached out to someone from Pakistan and I knew that there was a lot of problems going on there and they were burning churches and all this. So I started asking questions like, where do you stay exactly? And I would look it up on the, the map and I asked a few questions and he was like, please help me get out of this country. Please help me come to your country and, and start a new life. Uh, and I said to him, listen, I don't have the ability to do that, but I also don't believe that's God's will for you. God's will is that you're a salt and light where you are. And I know that that's a life and death situation, but His will for you is that you would change the situation. And I know that you've got Muslims attacking and, and wanting to kill you all, but I can help you by teaching you and strengthening you. And we can find a safe zone maybe, and we can come and have a meeting to strengthen and encourage the church and in your mission to reach these people. But I'm not going to pluck you out and leave them all to go to hell. That's not God's will. And... Uh, and so, you know, he, he didn't quite understand that. And when we started speaking, then I realized, okay, this guy's in a Catholic church. So then I changed my tactics. And I was like, you know, the gospel says this. <laughs> and I was trying to make sure that he's saved, but the conversation didn't continue because I wasn't giving into what he felt he needed. When what he needed actually was salvation if he wasn't saved. And then a knowledge of the truth in terms of his purpose there, since he can't leave. Okay. Anyway, the main thing is that God wants people saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The second part is called discipleship. What's the aim of discipleship? We, we kind of often think it's, it's knowledge. And what does knowledge do? It puffs up. Knowledge can just make you full of pride and self-righteousness and arrogance. When what, what, what actual purpose of discipleship is maturity. Okay, what is maturity? You're a fruitful follower of Christ. That's the purpose of information, of listening to good teaching. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5 says, Now the purpose of the commandment is love. 
from a pure heart and from a good conscience and sincere faith. The purpose of the commandment is love. So what's the purpose of instruction in the Word? What's the purpose of teaching? That we would become love. That we would start to live a life of love. And what a lot of, for a lot of people, like what happens, everyone out there, is they receive the information and they start to judge people according to it. They start to not operate in love. Okay? And um, the aim of discipleship is that we would start to love like Jesus loves. Okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The aim of discipleship <clears throat> or following Christ is that we would be fruitful followers. That we would be fruitful. That we would multiply. Okay? That that's, now you're getting the, the meaning of the conference. That we would multiply, right? That we would make disciples. So we've got to keep the main thing the main thing. Because the main thing, according to that verse in Timothy, would be that all men are saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay? Freedom is in there for people. So that's what we need to keep the main thing the main thing. 1 Corinthians 15, <clears throat> 3 to 4. I passed unto you what was most important. And what had also been passed unto me, <clears throat> Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. Now, he's talking about Scriptures. He can't be talking about the book of Corinthians. Why? Because he's writing the, the letter to the Corinthians. So it has to be talking about what the Bible he had. What is that? Genesis to Malachi. Okay? And it's not devaluing Matthew to Revelation, but what it's doing is it's elevating the Old Testament, which a lot of grace people want to cast out. I've, I had someone, when, years back when we were still pastoring here, come up to me after the service and uh, tell me how they wish that we could just pr print a Bible without the Old Testament, because it doesn't, it's, it's unnecessary. <laughs> that just shows their ignorance. Okay? <clears throat> anyway, this is showing us uh, that the most important thing. That according to scriptures, Christ died for our sins. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day. Okay? This is the most important thing you need to know. Why? Whatever challenge you're facing right now, this is the most important thing to know. Even if it seems unrelated. Why? Because that is eternal. What you may be experiencing is not eternal. That is eternal. What you're experiencing is probably not eternal. That's the first point. The second point is, His death, His burial, and His resurrection is what made you a new creation. Faith in that makes you a new creation. So the most important thing you need to know with what you're going through is, you're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Okay? And you need to know this. Salvation, faith in that, made you complete. Because now you're in Christ. So you need to, the most important thing you need to know about what you're facing and right now is that you're complete because by faith you believed in the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And so now you're a new man and you're complete. And that's your victory. Victory is so, so simple. It's just linked to, I'm complete in Christ. My old man is gone. I don't have a sinful nature. I'm now free. And it's all got to do with that. Death, burial, and resurrection. And what it made me. What did it make me? New. Complete. And you've got a lot of Christians who are trying to become new and complete by what we do. We're thinking that if we go through these 10 steps, 
and we go through this and that, the next thing, and these different levels and whatnot else, then I'll be free. Then I'll be complete. Then I'll have some kind of anointing and whatever. The moment you said yes to Jesus, He took up residence in you. In His fullness, God lives in you. In His fullness, He's one with you and He dwells with you. You didn't get a part of God. You got the whole of God and He's now living in you. And yes, you might be messed up. Yes, you might be experiencing things that you shouldn't be experiencing. Why? Because you're not focused on the most important thing. That His death, His burial and His resurrection changed everything. For you. I, mustn't, I must be very careful not to undermine the simplicity of this power. Because and, and the, there's power in this. You know, what, what, do, what do a lot of Christians try and do? We try and add to that. Come to Christ. Believe in this and that. And now that you're saved, let's take you through all of these other things. So that you can be complete in Christ. Let, now we're going to have to do all of these things. And yet, it's as simple as faith in the gospel. You read through the New Testament and you can't explain it any other way. Christianity is as simple as believing. What did Jesus say in Mark chapter 1 verse 15? I think it is. Like, repent and believe the gospel. What's repentance? Change your mind. Change your thinking. What was he saying to his audience? Stop thinking like the Jews. Stop thinking according to the rituals and stop thinking according to all the, the way that you're related to God and believe the good news about my death, burial and resurrection. Okay? So how do we know what truth is? Obviously the Word. Okay, it's the incorruptible seed of the Word of God which gets us born again. What's that talking about? Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. Do you notice how it didn't say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Bible it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by some translations say the message of Christ why does it say that because the message of Christ is contained in the Bible <clears throat> but the whole Bible is not the message of Christ the whole Bible is for our benefit and we can learn from it and it can equip you and all of that but the message of Christ is the Word of God and it's in here okay now some of you will think this is a sin but that didn't damage the Word of God. Why? Because it's a message. He is the living Word, so it's a person. It's a person. When we're preaching the Gospel, we're, we're talking about a person. What this person has done for us and freely offers us. Okay? So, <clears throat> how we, what we determine is non-essential and essential. What we determine is what is really and truly important is based on how we approach the Word of God. How do we understand the Word of God? Because you can read this from cover to cover and become very religious. You know, you can read it from cover to cover and get bored because you think it's just a book and it's just a bunch of stories. Or you can read it from cover to cover and discover a person. And that's what we should be doing in our devotional time and, and when we're listening to messages is, um, is um, how like connecting to Christ allowing it to help us we are connected I know that but how do I kind of like enjoy that connection how do I focus on that connection so it can produce something in me amen
There's so many things I want to say, and I'm going to have to land now, but there's a section in there with a couple of questions on. If you can put that up on the screen. It's important for us to kind of look at what's truth and what's not truth. What's error? Okay? And I mean, you know, if you've been with us for a, a while, uh, meaning the last season, what, how long is the season? Two years, maybe a shorter time. Um, you know, there's lots of people having hissy fits because of some of the teaching. And uh, they maybe get upset because it's not what they're used to. Now, if you're new, welcome. You, don't, you, you can ask questions if you want afterwards. But what I want you to see here is ask these questions when you hear any message to determine truth and error. Number one, is the message taking away anything from Jesus, from the gospel, or from salvation? Because that's the most important thing. And I'm sure some of the answers will be difficult for you because it's a case of, but I just love fill in the blank. Okay? Number two, <clears throat> is the message adding to Jesus and salvation? Are they making faith in Christ enough? Okay, so my grammar's a bit wrong there, but work with me. Like, you've you, you got to look at it and go, are they saying Jesus plus something? And this is essential. Or are they saying Jesus is enough? Okay. Number three, what are the implications of this message if this message is wrong? What are the implications if, if we were to say, um, yes, you came to Christ by grace through faith, but now, in order to keep your salvation, we need to do certain things. We need to pay your tithes, you need to fast once a week, this, and we just started making this long to-do list. What are the implications of a message like that? You are, we're drawing you further away from Christ. And we're just saying there's a whole bunch of things that you need in order to enjoy relationship with Christ. So it just, it doesn't, you don't lose your salvation. But you might just not experience as much of that salvation as you can. Because now in your heart, you're far from God. Okay? So, what are the implications of if this message is wrong is a good question to ask. Because I, with that question, I'm like, if it's touching by grace through faith for salvation, in, which is because of His death, His burial, and His resurrection, then it's a big problem. But if it's not, why am I making a big deal of it? Okay? What is the end result of this teaching? That's a good question to ask. What is the end result of this teaching? You know, as leaders, we've sat in a lot of Bible studies and gone backwards and forwards and investigated and questioned and thrashed out and whatever. We've done a lot of that behind the scenes. And with the way that we're seeing the Word and the way we're interpreting the Word and the way that we're presenting uh, the Word at the moment, you might not be experiencing it, but the end result of it, what I'm seeing in my life and the leaders' lives and in a lot of your lives is a much greater intimacy with God because now there aren't 10 steps. Now there's nothing hoops that I have to jump through. Now I don't have to... Uh, uh, God's not looking at my performance, although holiness is important, I'm not talking about that, but He's looking at my heart. Because the moment I said yes to Jesus because of faith, I became one with Him. The moment I said yes to Jesus, yes to the gospel, He came to live in me. He didn't wait for me to repent of all my sins. What did He do? He came to live in me, even though I was still struggling with all my sin. 
And as I realized who was living in me, it started to transform me. And I stopped doing a lot of the things that I used to do. You know, that's the gospel. You don't come to Christ perfect. You come to Christ and He makes you perfect. Now you're complete because of your relationship with Him. So, Colossians chapter 2 verse 10, just a few comments quickly. You're complete in Him. Okay? A lot of the things that we would seek to do are trying, and when we try, you go read. I challenge you. Go read Colossians chapter 2. I was planning to go through it with you, but you go through it with you. Okay? And you look at it, and he singles out things that I'm not going to single out today because we've got little time left. Okay? But a lot of the things that Paul's talking about in Colossians chapter 2 are things that we try to find completeness in. Easy example, he mentions circumcision in the next verse. Let's look at it. So I'm getting into it a little bit for you. In Him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So here he's talking about two circumcisions. Okay? He's talking about a physical circumcision and a spiritual circumcision. Okay? He's talking about a shadow and a reality. He's talking about how in the scriptures, Genesis to Malachi, there was a shadow and that shadow was pointing to a reality. The ritual of circumcision was the gospel being preached. He's talking about how, you know, this painful experience that you would experience, that you would have. I mean, obviously, as a baby, eight days old, you're not going to remember that, but the family will. Okay, but, but he's saying that that was pointing towards a greater reality. And the reality is, is now you have been circumcised. You have the circumcision of Christ, which was the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. So he's saying that it's talking about the cutting off of the sinful nature. Saying yes to Jesus, you're automatically circumcised in your heart. Automatically the sinful nature is cut off. Automatically you're a new creation. Now, if I've got the reality, I don't need the shadow. If I've got the reality, I don't need the shadow. It's like going to a party that I received, in, uh, you know, many of us are going to a wedding soon. Okay? We've got the invitation. Now it's like going to the, the wedding, you don't need the invitation anymore. You don't need the, the, the invitation is like a shadow, right? But now... I can go to the wedding with my invitation and still be holding on to the invitation and talking about my invitation, wanting to show everyone I got an invitation, but I'm at the party. So who cares about your invitation? Okay? Shadows and realities. And there's a lot more that we can say there. But let me ask you this question. If you think about your Christian life before my message, <laughs> what changed your life? What, it, I hope that there's something. If nothing, then hopefully today. What changed your life? What changed everything? If when I look back on my life, I was like, it was always revelation. Okay, I had some cool encounters and experiences with God, like experiences, okay? All of them were either based on a revelation or led to a revelation in the Word. So it was never a, a, an experience that changed my life. It was the revelation in that experience. I went, my, my, uh, the first mission trip I went on, I was about 14 or 15, 
went to Madagascar, and it was amazing. And I remember everybody who was going on that trip, um, I, I was always like my heart after God, in the Word, all of that kind of stuff. Not everyone on the trip was like that, but they were all of a sudden because of the mission, right? So now they're getting ready for the mission, and they're going on this mission, and um, we, we, we experienced tangible presence of God. We saw healings. On one of the trips we went on, we saw blind eyes open completely, bl- completely blind to completely open. I think we saw three or four mute kids speak for the first time. Like we saw amazing things happen. It impacted all of us. But that impact only lasted for people who had revelation. A lot of those people came back having been touched by an experience and they didn't go to church anymore and they didn't uh, uh, seek God anymore. And if I look for them today, they know it. Why? Because there wasn't the Word. The Word is the stability of our lives. Okay? So in conclusion, what is really important? There's a lot of things that I wanted to say, but I think it's good to give you some tools for you to figure out the, the juicy bits I left out. Okay? What's really important? You know, um, don't turn there, but if you look at Romans chapter 10, it speaks about how salvation comes. Salvation is the most important thing on God's heart, right? Because salvation is establishing His kingdom in the earth. Salvation is the hearts of men coming from darkness to light. If you go read uh, uh, um, Romans chapter 10, it'll show you that salvation comes by preaching a gospel, by preaching the message, the gospel. Okay? And so... Preaching of the gospel is essential. Preaching of the gospel uses words. Ignore Francis of Assisi. He said, preach the gospel if necessary, use words. It's rubbish. The Bible shows us, use words. Okay? Your life should match your words (laughs) and what you believe. But it's not a case of being an undercover Christian and just let people ask what's different about you. You've got to preach. We've all got a message. What is really important? I believe it's living, as Christians now, it's, be, it's living in the fullness of Christ in you. Living in the fullness of Christ in you. Realizing what you've got and then living in that reality. So, there's a lot of things that I don't do now because I'm living in a reality. I'm enjoying my relationship, my communion, my, my oneness with God, with Christ, because I said yes to the gospel, and I've always had that, I just didn't realize it. That's, I just needed to renew my mind. So Matthew chapter 23 again, uh, 27 to 28, I want to finish off with, a, I think it's maybe two or three verses. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, hypocrites, for you are like tombs that have been whitewashed, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything impure. Just so you also outwardly seem to people to be just and upright, but inside you are full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. Many people would drive past this building. I, 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 I was like so stirred up about the, the, the message this morning and like trusting that, that it impacts you. And I was excited about the, the power of it. And then I was like, I want to put it on Facebook so that, People will come that, that maybe wouldn't usually come. And so um, I went on to Google Maps and I, I screenshotted the entrance because some people don't know how to get you. So I could put it on my, my Facebook so people could at least if they drive past see where it is. 
And this morning, I did that yesterday. This morning, I looked at the picture. I was like, that's really bad marketing. <laughs> you know, you look at that picture and I'm like, wow, that's shocking. Like, so you've got people who would walk here and they'd look at the building. I like this, by the way. I, I really do. But people would look at this and go, I mean, come on, guys. Like, what is this place? Like, what's, what's going on here? We've got the opposite of what Jesus is talking about here. This isn't a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. This is a not whitewashed building. And it's full of life. It's full of love. It's full of God, community, us. Okay? You know, that's what every church should look like. But a lot of churches look good on the outside and on the inside they're not. I had someone, I'm trying to think of who this was now. Someone, I can't remember who it was, recently told me that they, oh yes, they had some, some issues. I was trying to make sure the person's not in the room. <laughs> so someone recently contacted me and said, you know, they're in another part of the country and they've really been struggling to find a church. They decided to go to this church. They committed to this church. They connected into the community. They started to um, make friends and everything. And now, for the first time in their whole life, 20-something years, they're like, I'm ready to deal with the issues that I have. So they went to the pastor and they were like, I need to talk to you. And the pastor said, sure. And they said, I've been struggling with, and I, you, you can't imagine some of the things that, that, that he told me. And the pastor looked at him, turned around and walked away and never had another conversation with him again. <laughs> Completely like ghosted him because he's, I'm assuming, untrained, unskilled, and doesn't have the love of God flowing in him to try and help someone like that. So, you know, um, where's the love there? What, what, are you, what are we full of? So, my question based on this verse for us is, have you been minoring on a major and majoring on a minor? You know, because what's going to happen with that is it's going to, it will lack the right fruit. It's going to cause division in the family. If you're majoring on minors and minoring on majors, you're not focused on what's really important and you're causing problems for the body of Christ. When you're minoring on majors and majoring on minors and you're not focused on what's really important, you're causing division. And what does division do? It causes us not to fulfill the vision. God's vision of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. God's vision of, 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 of people coming from darkness to light. Of, of uh, making disciples, people who are equipped and, 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 and uh, grounded in the truth of the word. So we need to ask ourselves this, this important, the, the, the question of what's really important. Are there things that I'm concerned with and I keep pushing this and pushing that? Because as pastors, we always have people pushing this and pushing that. Are you one of those people pushing something that's non-essential? That's not actually, it's a, it's, it's a peripheral. It's not an important focus. For example, we would all love a better floor. Although it makes you feel like you're at the beach, so maybe you don't run off after the service because you feel like you're at the beach, so you don't want to go to the beach. Amen? We can bring some water and we can make some nice pools or something and we can have a nice party here. But it's like, are you saying, you know, Peter, we need to get a new floor here. Like, th that's really important. I don't know how much a new floor would cost. Let's say that, you know, they're going to build for us. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Okay, the vision is there. Just be patient. But let's say we're like, okay, let's, let's put down complete flooring here. We're going to do it this month because people are irritated. 
I don't know how much those plastic squares that lock, lock into each other cost, but let's say rough figure to, to, to put this whole room here, it would cost 30,000, let's say. Okay? Whilst we have a mission trip going on into Belgium and a mission trip going on into Skodra, an unreached place in uh, Albania, where we don't know anybody yet and there's hardly anything going on there, we've got two very important missions going on where that 30,000 could do a lot. I'm happy to sit on the floor to, in order to fund that. Because I think we're often seeking comfort when it's about kingdom. But let's not go down that road. Uh, what's really important to you? Are you saved? Have you put faith in the gospel? Do you know your identity? Do you know what the gospel has made you? Are you living in your true purpose according to what the gospel has done for you? These are things we should rather be focused on. You know? Any issue you have right now is probably an issue because you're not uh, uh, living from a revelation of your completeness in Christ. So that's where you need to come to, is allowing the word that's te torture, teached, teached here every Sunday, it's a good word. I know it's a good word. You've got a good pastor. And now he's preaching his heart out, and it's not going to benefit you unless you receive it. Unless you allow it to impact your heart. What do we do after a message? Especially a very light message like this morning. Uh, you know, what do we do with a message like this? It's important. You know, it might bless someone online, when it's online, if it's online, more than it blesses you. Why? Because the people online are maybe more intentional about receiving from it. We all need to be intentional about receiving from it. I challenge you to go and sit and ask yourself the question and ask God to show you the, the answers. Am I majoring on minors or minoring on majors? Community is a major. If you are undervaluing the church and community, you're, mi you're minoring on a major. Okay? The floor is a simple example, but that's a minor. Unless all of a sudden it was a health problem. Okay? Unless all of a sudden like there was a major issue, then that could become a major issue for us and we might need to move or something. So I'm not saying these things aren't important, but we need to be patient with the progress that we're having. Okay? Because God's taking us somewhere as a church. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca And if you're ever in the Stellenbosch area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.